Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show, Connecting Winnipeg. And if you can, please listen live weekdays from 10 to noon on 680 CJOB. about sending kids home for the holidays with rapid tests. It's being done in other provinces, and we'll tell you more about that in a bit. Joining us on the phone now, Brenda Brazeau is the Executive Director of the Manitoba Association of Parent Councils. Brenda, good morning. Good morning, Hal. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, So explain why other provinces are doing this. Explain why you think this is a good idea, especially over the holidays. You know, other provinces are doing this simply because, you know, they're being proactive instead of reactive. Um, Parents, children, and teachers have been through enough with the pandemic. We know that there's going to be large gatherings. So let's make sure that we're taking care of our children, alleviate some of the stressors that parents and caregivers have, and, and get those tests out to the families. Mm-hmm. I think this is something we haven't done enough of during the pandemic, make use of testing, right? I don't think we've done enough of that. Uh, obviously, other provinces see the value in this. What have you heard from this province, Manitoba? You know, we've basically heard the same thing coming from parents that, you know, they'd like to have um, rapid testing done and be available for parents if they want to. We're not saying that it's a must that you do it. But for those parents that are wanting to have them, then we should be giving them the option. Are you hearing anything from the government, though? Any word from officials on whether or not they're considering this? I haven't heard anything, you know, although, you know, listening to Dr. Outwell the other day, you know, he stated that he knows that they know that inclined numbers are up, going up, numbers are going up. Mm-hmm. Um, and with large gatherings, that's going to increase, Right. Um, so why wouldn't we be proactive? Mm-hmm. Well, and my understanding is the Manitoba School Boards Association has said that they're willing to help if the province does decide to do this. I mean, it might be a little tight now for the holidays, but even beyond the holidays, winter, everybody's indoors. Uh, you're, I think you're right. Uh, a little bit of uh, prevention might go a long way, certainly uh, keep cases uh, down the road that might develop in schools. Well, and that, and that is exactly it. Like, we can't put a price tag on loved ones and on our children, you know, especially if they get sick and something, you know, something dire happens. Um, so, let's, you know, let's take care of it now. Yeah. But you are hearing from a lot of parents that they like this idea, eh? Yeah, there's a number of parents that we've heard from um, wondering why we haven't done this, you know, previously. Uh, throughout the pandemic because maybe it would have alleviated some of those cases in school having children come back from you know spring break or summer holidays and stuff maybe this would have helped mm-hmm. hey brenda thanks a lot appreciate it no problem thanks hal have a great day posted Bye-bye. all right thanks i will uh brenda brazo is the executive director of the manitoba association of parent councils i kind of like the idea i i think it makes sense Uh, As I said, they're doing it in other provinces, including Quebec. Here's more on that. Rapid tests are a good thing, but it's late in the game. For months, Olivier Drouet has been pushing for widespread distribution of rapid tests for daycare and school-aged children. He's happy the Quebec government is sending each kid home with five tests 
but will not have any impact on the current outbreaks. There's over 400 outbreaks in elementary school right now with lots of community transmission. Yet those tests still aren't widely available in the community. The federal government has handed out nearly 100 million rapid tests to the provinces, but according to Health Canada, only about 15% have been used. Uptake and availability differ across provinces. In Nova Scotia, the tests are more widely accessible. Our mobile units through Nova Scotia Health have them there. If you go to get a PCR test, you can take some home with you. Ontario has sent them to congregate living settings, private businesses and areas of high transmission. They're also sending students home with five tests during the holidays. We are distributing everything that we have and over a million a week is a significant Fox. deployment of rapid tests. Still, they are scarce elsewhere, even if you want to pay $40 for one at a pharmacy. In Ontario, there is now a rapid test finder Twitter page and the comical hashtag, free the rats. To be able to free those rapid tests from the warehouses that are storing all these millions of life-saving tests. Compare that to the UK, where anyone who wants a rapid test can order packs of them online from the National Health Service. Antigen tests have an 81% accuracy rate. Still, some infectious disease experts believe wider usage would be helpful as people plan holiday parties. A family gathering or something like that. If everyone has a negative rapid test before they come into the house, yeah, you have now added a significant degree of safety. Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos says he's met with his provincial counterparts to discuss increased supply and use of rapid tests, and he stressed they should be free for all Canadians. Mike LeCouture, Global News, Ottawa. So Quebec's doing it, should we be doing it? Let's uh, talk a little football here, shall we? Lauren Remillard is the president and CEO of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. Lauren, good morning. Good morning, Hal. Bra- mayor Brian Bowman was on our air this morning. Uh, him and the mayor of Hamilton still have not figured out the terms of their wager, but you have a friendly wager with the chamber in Hamilton. Tell us about it. Yeah, so, you know, historically we've seen these friendly wagers between elected officials. Uh, in conversation with my counterpart at the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce, Keenan Loomis, uh, we wanted to get in on the action, if you will, and, and to do so in a way that brings attention to an important issue in our respective communities, and that's food security. We all know that uh, we're seeing prices of food increase substantially on the shelves, and for many, um, you know, making ends meet are becoming increasingly difficult, and uh, food security is becoming more and more of an issue. And so we thought, let's, uh, let's do something that benefits our communities and uh, brings attention to the issue, and uh, yeah, it's always good to have a, a little bit of a, a side-friendly wager on a game, but I do so very confidently knowing the Bombers are going to win. Like, it's yeah. just easy money. <laughs> well, and you know what? And and the mayor or uh, the chamber in Hamilton should realize that even when they lose this wager, uh, it's a win, right? Because it's helping an important cause. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not just the wager. We're, we're actually encouraging people in our respective communities to say, but join in on this. Do your part. You know, here in Manitoba, we're asking people, please make sure to make a donation to Harvest Manitoba. Don't wait for the outcome of the game. Uh, the need in the community is great and growing every day. Uh, let's do our part. Uh, we're all on Team Manitoba, Team Bombers. Let's let's do what we can to help our friends, our family, our neighbours, our community. And uh, so, again, this is one of those cases where it's it's a wager, but everyone wins. 
Hey, well, I've got you. Um, we're getting, what, December 10th now? We're getting closer to Christmas. How are things with your members? What are you hearing out there? People shopping a lot? Yeah, definitely busy. Uh, lots of people in stores. Uh, I think we did see an earlier start to the season, if you will, because we've all of us have been hearing about supply chain disruptions and you know for those that maybe historically have ordered online there wasn't maybe the same level of certainty that you would have your your purchase arrive in time for the holidays so many more people were you know heading to their local retailers going to the mall uh, really trying to make sure that they got the perfect gift in time and didn't have to worry about uh, whether it would arrive or not so it's been busy and it's really important i can't stress enough how important it is for Winnipeg's Manitobans, shop local, support your local retailers. You know, any we've all been to socials, and when you take a look at those prizes that were donated, those are donated by the community businesses, they're your local retailers. And, and really, every time the ask has been of retailers, they've been there for our community. And, and really, this holiday season and going forward, we're really asking Winnipeg's to, you know, we're calling in a favour, and that's support local. Hey, Lauren, thanks a lot. I I love the idea, and and good luck, and enjoy the game. You as well. Thank you for having me on. All right. That is uh, Lauren Remillard, president and CEO of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. They've got a bet with the Hamilton uh, Chamber, and I like it. It's uh, helping out local food banks. Into the final half hour. It was 37 years ago today. 1984, when this song was relieved, uh, released, it's uh, a relief song for famine in Africa. Do they know it's Christmas by Band-Aid? Can't believe that's 37 years ago. Let's take some of this, Jeff. Turn it up. Seven years ago today, a little musical interlude as we approach Christmas, December 10th. Hal Anderson on CJOB. This is Connecting Winnipeg. And joining us now, as he does every Friday after the 1130 News, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, drcyrus.com. 
D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com. Cyrus, good morning. Good morning, Hal. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you for being here. You excited mm-hmm. about Are you a big football guy? I can't remember. I am when the mood strikes, and this is yeah. probably the time that it does. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Listen, there's a lot of people that are like that, right? They get a little more excited with the playoffs, and certainly when the Bombers are, are in the big game like this, you can't help but get uh, a little bit excited about it. We've been talking a lot this week because of, a, of the surgical backlog and now this new task force. We've been talking about pain a lot, chronic pain. And that's one of the headlines we're going to discuss here today with you, the guilt of living with chronic pain. Talk about this. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, chronic pain is an invisible thing, right? And uh, it's invisible in multiple ways. Number one, people don't see it when, you know, you're just standing there in front of them. But the other thing is sometimes doctors can't even find it. Uh, there's sometimes a, a, not much of a link between the feelings or the report of chronic pain and actual tissue damage in people's bodies. And so this can be something that people feel uh, shaky about. They don't feel legitimate. Um, people wonder, are you really in pain? Are you, uh, are you faking this? Are you taking care of yourself? Uh, why are you in so much pain? What are you doing wrong? And so there's kind of subtle and more obvious uh, kind of accusations and, and wonderings about people who have chronic pain. And, and that can lead to lots of guilt for various reasons because of this kind of accusation and also because, you know, it takes away from life. They feel guilty about what it's doing to their kids or their family feel guilty about what's happening at work and that they can't keep up or help their coworkers, And so this, this leads to these feelings of guilt for various reasons. And what was interesting is that they were finding that this guilt leads to more chronic pain, unfortunately. So then we've got a mm-hmm. cycle going where people are experiencing this pain. They get these responses from other people and from their world. And, and then all of a sudden they have even more chronic pain. And, and uh, so we have to be careful how we interact around these issues because we could actually be making it worse in how we respond to people around us who are experiencing this. Yeah, and I was talking, I guess it was yesterday, uh, with a woman who finally has a new knee, a new replacement. She waited two mm. years for it, went through cancellation after cancellation, and then the pain for two years and you're right it can have an impact beyond the pain itself and suffering with that it can have an impact on family friends guilt i mean there's all kinds of emotions involved it's it's a tough one this could be a real challenge for people and then what could be really hard for people is uh kind of finding a life after the pain you know kind of coming to the place where it's like wow this pain is with me now and maybe i can continue to take steps to fight it but i have to learn to live with it and uh, and that could be a long and hard process, uh, you know, around kind of reclaiming your life and learning to do things, you know, even with this pain and how much, you know, can you talk about it with other people because mm-hmm. maybe people around you don't want to talk about it anymore. And, and so this is a, it's a real challenge to kind of learn to live again uh, when you're experiencing this kind of challenge. This next headline I'm anxious to discuss with you. Um, here it is. Will leaving work help people find new meaning in life? A lot of people that have come through the pandemic are, I think it's called the great retirement. Some people have labeled it the great retirement. People, you know, take a new look at life after what they've been through. And they say, you know what, I'm not doing what I want, or I want to do this instead, or this, you know, isn't rewarding. And uh, people are leaving uh, their jobs. And and so I'll, I'll get you to answer the question, are people who leave work finding new meaning in life? Is it working? 
Well, the, the research around this seems to be shifting. I mean, this is a study that was going against the green. Most people were finding that, no, it's not finding you know great new meaning after retirement. But uh, this study did use some new techniques, and they were finding that, yes, people, when they were retiring, did seem to find new meaning in the activities that they experienced, uh, that they chose to experience after retirement. So I think this is nice. You know, it's nice to believe and have hope that after you're kind of in that next stage of life, that you can find things and experience life in a new, meaningful way. And one of the other effects that they kind of went against was this idea of a honeymoon effect, that people, well, maybe they do okay for the first bit of the retirement phase, but then they kind of go into this kind of sad, depressed, I guess, meaningless existence. And and what they were finding was like, no, I mean, may, they said maybe some, maybe some people kind of do decrease in their meaning a little bit in the first five years, but really it was not significant. They were saying, no, this is something that seems to be consistent for people after retirement. So I think this is hopeful and hopefully has this kind of effect on people where it's like, instead of going into retirement saying, hey, you know, this is just a something that Maybe I'll travel, but I don't really feel like it's going to be a good part of my life. It's like, no, this can be something meaningful. And if you believe you can find meaning in retirement, I also think it's more likely that you will find meaning in retirement. So I think it's good to go into it with hope, go into it with a perspective that you're finding a next stage of life that can be fun, meaningful, and exciting, and then you're more likely to actually have that come true. And final headline here, one way to fix social anxiety. I mean, this is a real issue for a lot of people. I think some people are developing this because of the pandemic, but weigh in on this. So what's the one way in this article, uh, Cyrus, do they say that you can fix social anxiety? Well, this is a bit of a misnomer, I think, but I think there was something interesting that came out of this, which is that, uh, well, they were looking at, at you know people in socially in social situations, and people generally find that they uh, have an increase in their contentment and happiness in life when they experience this. But oftentimes, people will think, well, if you have social anxiety, you don't you don't enjoy social interactions, and that comes from people's report where they say, no, it's not pleasant. I don't like it. I don't want to be around other people. Leave me alone. And uh, so from that, people are well, it must be painful. They must not be enjoying this. They must not be increasing their contentment in life. And and in spite of all these feelings and the look of people being almost in pain sometimes when they're with other people, oftentimes uh, it seems to be helpful for them. So even though you may be feeling socially anxious or you have somebody who's socially anxious in your life, it may still be good to find ways to be around other people. And it was interesting because, I mean, this is the main treatment for social anxiety is to find ways to become, to go into the presence of other people for longer periods of time and have that anxiety reduced while in the presence of other people in some manner. And so that's the treatment. And it's kind of nice to know that while you're doing this treatment, you're not just putting people through pain, suffering, and worsening their life in order to eventually get somewhere good, but it's actually good for them even in the course of that. So it's actually generally something that makes people feel better, lowers depression, that kind of thing. So if you're feeling socially anxious, uh, I think that this just helps to kind of create a case that it's good to try to find ways to be with other people. And as we go into the holidays, hopefully this is a time when you can start. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the holidays, uh, by the way, you're off next Friday. I'm off next Friday as well, and that will start a couple of weeks off for me. So this will be Mm. my chance to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. (laughs) I'll return on January 3rd. So, Cyrus, all the best over the holidays. Well, you too, Hal. Have a great holiday. Thanks a lot. Cyrus Dirksen, drcyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com. 